today you meet Transformation Personified. Let's cook. Uh, I can't never sleep, I don't got too many days uh, Food for thought, feeding your success with the base uh, I can't quit the game, gotta focus till I finish uh, I was in the cage, yeah, now I know I'm living uh, They be working hard, trying to keep you in the chains uh, If you got your mind charged, you ain't gotta stay Woo! This is the Sam Jones Talks Podcast, Episode 10 How to Put Your Life Together Everyone wants to know and today you're going to get some keys that hopefully will be uh, instrumental in helping you to put the pieces together. We all feel shattered at times, you know, and it, sometimes it's like a jigsaw puzzle trying to put the pieces together. And today we have a general contractor, high level tradesman, recovery specialist, a brilliant mind. And as I said, this is Transformation Personified. I'm so proud to have with me Isaiah Jones. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, very well. Good. Um, this is going to be really, really good. Now, before we jump in, I was reading a couple things from the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention that I thought was interesting because there are many situations in which people feel like their life is shattered. And when some people feel like they reach a point where it can't be put back together, sometimes it results in suicide, which they were saying in 2007, sorry, 2017, 47,173 people committed suicide. And 1.4 million people made attempts. Now, what's interesting about that is that they're saying these numbers are more, they're higher. Because, mm -hmm. because of the stigma around um, suicide, people who report it usually under-report. So the numbers are most likely higher. And so this is proof that when people feel shattered and there's no way out, there's no way to put the pieces back together, they throw in the towel. So, and of course, like I said, it may not result in suicide all the time, but definitely coming from a background of addiction or abuse or any other kind of trauma could make you feel like your life is shattered. And today, um, I'm going to be speaking with Isaiah, and I want to start from the very beginning. Uh -huh. I'd like to know, you know, where did you grow up? What was it like there? I grew up in the Bronx, New York, mm -hmm. and it was uh, it was a great place to learn as much what not to do as it was a great place to learn what to do. There were gangs, there was violence, there was beautiful mashup of all kind of cultures. We grew up with a lot of Italians, a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of West Indians, a lot of American blacks. It was just a mismatch of culture. But what was pervasive um, back when I grew up was heroin. Um, addiction was a big thing. I remember as a kid in elementary school, uh, this I'm dating myself, but um, they brought the projector into the classroom and they showed a film about heroin use when I was in elementary school because it was so bad then they were trying to catch the kids early to keep them away from it. Now something you said about suicide, I think that in drug use and drug addiction, what actually happens is, first of all, your brain is already balanced. 
and you cause a chemical imbalance when you introduce chemicals into your bloodstream. Um, you, you could imagine there are certain gates genetically set up in your brain to keep you stable as an individual, to keep your moods level. Uh, you know, anyone could have a bad day and then, of course, you feel sad. You grab a cup of coffee, your brain releases endorphins, and then you kind of feel a little bit better just from that coffee. Uh, you introduced a chemical into your brain that reduced, introduced, it was a stimulant, so it brought you up a little bit. Something as simple as a cup of coffee does a dramatic thing to your body. Uh, it raises your blood pressure. But you think about now something that's tens of times more powerful than that that you're introducing to your body on a higher level. And it, it starts weakening those gates that keep you in balance. You know, when the doctors say that you're chemically imbalanced, well, you were chemically balanced when you were born. You caused that imbalance, or I caused that imbalance. But back to suicide, suicide is just the, the violent terminal point of depression because depression comes on. Your endorphins are blocked. Uh, from the introduction of drugs into your system so it's just uh, something that we have to go to the source of the issue like if you sneeze you don't treat the sneeze you treat the cause of the sneeze so you don't treat the symptom you go after the cause and if you kill the cause the symptom cannot exist just to lighten the heaviness for some of you that are going, oh my gosh, that's how I feel. All right, so let's let me let's get, let's get back to your childhood. So, tell me about like a fun moment, like a, a time that when you think back about it, you say to yourself, wow, that was a really really great time. What was that like? Uh, a fun time in my childhood was anything to do with my father. When he took me anywhere, it was just a fun time for me because. Um, even as a, a young person, I saw a person that functioned on a high level and his friends functioned on a high level and that interaction, for some reason, even as a child, I always looked at it as a major event. Um, if some kids watching their parents is like watching TV, watching my father was like watching a full out action adventure movie, mm. you know? If you were to say or mention uh, uh, what you could relate to as a shattering moment, what would you say that was? Wow, it's amazing. I think I'm learning something about myself tonight. But um, I think the most crushing moment in my life, not just a shattering moment, but the most crushing moment is when my father died. When he passed, bar none, that was the most shattering experience because, you know, when you rebel against someone, you almost see them as a worthy opponent. Like, he said tit and I said tat. He said go and I said stop, but there's a, a, a certain interaction that even as a kid when you're rebelling, 
you know he's strong enough to take what you're throwing at him and sometimes he throw it back and <laughs> you want to call for help right, right. but um when he passed i realized and I, and i said to myself man he was one person on this planet that would look me in my face and tell me the truth like no matter what the situation was uh, it's it's not lost on the people who know me that um, in my past I was known to have like a voracious horrible temper I, I could be really temperamental and my father would walk in at my angriest moment and point that big finger in my face and tell me you're alive with his life, there's hope. You're the master of your circumstance. Mm -hmm. He would tell me only cowards yield to the foe they meet on the battlefield. Now, he'd speak in old English because his roadmap in life was the King James Version of the Bible with the these and thousand. But he was that's what he was informed by his thought processes his way of life was informed and that was you we always have to have a foundational truth in our life um to be balanced individuals in this life we have to have a foundational truth um but his foundation was the bible um, but i often tell people don't argue with anyone you state the truth because in stating the truth you're staking the truth into the ground you state it but you're staking it into the ground and you leave and you go to dust and you're dead and gone a hundred years later someone walks up there all the lies have blown away and the truth is still standing there so let me ask um now, of course, it, it helps to be surrounded by family and friends who support you and who love you. Yeah. But is it possible in that scenario, surrounded by people who love you, to still experience some level of a like a mental solitary confinement type experience where in yourself you feel locked? Oh, yeah. You just described the depths of depression. Depression is being in a crowded room and feeling alone. It's, and then on the opposite side of that spectrum, anxiety, um, the bipolar. There's two different sides of the argument, and they're two extremely different places in your head. And anxiety is being an empty room and feeling overwhelmed. Mm. So, wow. yeah, and those two things push and pull, and those two things together when they clash, that's what drive you to the brink of suicide. Cause you're anxious about what am I gonna do tomorrow? How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna make it past this? How am I gonna pay these guys I owe that's coming after me for that couple of bags I got from them? And then the depression sets in that man I stole from my mother. I had one uh, individual who was in recovery and he told me that he went in his mother's house and he stole her money to get high. And when she got nervous and was wondering where that bill money was, he literally went back in the house and started helping her look for it. 
And those things drive you into the depths of depression because you start feeling like I'm worthless. And look what I did to my mother. That's still your mother. She still bore you. And when that high comes down, the reality sets in that now mother's lights are turned off. And the high that you put her at such the depths of um, panic for, that high was fleeting. It's there and gone and now she's without lights. And so the depression sets in and the anxiety and the depression, that pull and pull, push and pull, is so violent inside of you that in order to stop it, there's only one thing you could think of. Take your life. But the good news is, there's an alternative to that, and that's give your life. What type of principles of behavior or values did you implement to start putting the shattered pieces back together? Well, what I had walked past uh, in my childhood, and as a young man, what I ignored to follow my own agenda, I had to now pick back up, um, which was the scripture. And one thing about the scriptures, the foundational truth, is that it points to true north. Uh, you hear addict all the time saying, I just feel lost. Like, and guys who come out of addiction, when they look back at that period, they say it was a period where I was lost. I could not find myself. And what does that mean? Um, you'll never be lost if you can find the North Star. Because that North Star alone is the first step in triangulating where you are and where you want to go. And uh, for me and in my experience watching my father, I watched him utilize the Bible and that was his North Star. And he's just a little more on him. He was a man who grew up in abject poverty and he migrated from Antigua West Indies from a poor household. And he came to America and he faced north and he always had a true north he always had foundational truth and I watched him take great challenges and make them great accomplishments he his back was against the wall and I watched as distance grew between his back and the wall and before you know it he was past the challenge and he came to a place in life. I watched him as a child. He came to a place where he started looking for challenges. So that's a good point. I want you to, to, to dig into that a little bit. Yeah. You talked about making great challenges, making challenges into, how did you, how did you word it? Making challenges, um, pretty much you were saying you turned the challenges into, into, accomplishments. into accomplishments. How, how does one do that? Because somebody could look at a challenge and be like, that's something I can't beat, I give up. How do you turn a challenge into something that pushes you forward? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you run from it, you forfeit the victory. Right? The team that doesn't show up, he forfeits. 
without playing for a second. Mm. And if you're gonna beat me, you're gonna have to beat me. I'm gonna show up. One thing I like that um, the previous president Obama said, he said, I'm not a great political mind. That's what he basically said to paraphrase him. He said, but what causes me to win is that I show up. And in order to make a challenge an accomplishment, you have to accomplish something. And no one accomplishes anything in bed at home sleeping. You accomplish poverty that way. So you gotta be in the game to win it. Yeah, absolutely. And you gotta face it head on. And a failure is only tragic when you refuse to learn from the failure and excel and exceed. Can you say that again? A failure is it wow. <laughs> is only tragic. Is is only tragic when you fail to learn from it and then excel and exceed. We could literally turn off the camera and walk away right there. <laughs> <We'll be good. laughs> that is yeah. so true because you know, there's, there are a lot of people who face failures, and I spoke about that in one of the podcasts, and I, everyone always makes reference to Thomas Edison and how he found 10,000 or more ways that didn't work, but it's a perception on failure that made him succeed, or yeah. failure could have rendered him nothing but loss. And he would have been known as a failure. Right, right, and other people have had failures like him and greater and gave up. But somehow his perception of failure made him overcome. So to someone who is thinking, okay, I get it. I'm shattered. I'm broken. It looks like you got some idea on how to put yourself together. It looks like you pulled it together. How do I do it? What advice would you give them? At least one step that they can oh, take. You're running in the wrong direction. Stop. You've dug yourself into a hole. Grab the shovel. Throw it out of the hole. Stop digging. That's the first thing. You stop. You know, someone said, the good thing about falling on your back is that you're finally looking up. And that's it. You don't keep turning over and turn back the other way and turn back the other way. You're looking up. And if you're looking up, you can get up. And you could allow your setback to be your demise or you could allow your setback to be your setup for your comeback and life is about choices people say hey well you know i grew up in the hood so just my location alone i'm from the gutter nah there's somebody else who was in that same gutter and shook the mud off became a state senator oh well i was abused as a child and so uh, I'm, I'm throwing up gang signs now because that's what made me that way. No, your choice made you that way. You chose to get beat in, jumped in. You chose to throw up that sign. But someone else got abused as a child and chose to learn how to be a protector. Became a good father and looked at good fathers and modeled their behavior in his children and he became a protector it's all about your choice nothing in this life my father said i believe it you're the master of your circumstances and you where you were born where, what hurt you when you were young 
on what you lost The fire that burnt your house down while your mother stood there crying Cannot define you if you will not be defined by it Some people choose to go to college and it gets hard for them Oh man, I gotta drop out, this ain't for me Human beings are highly adaptable. We be, we are put in difficult situations, and if we are brave enough to stay in that situation long enough, we start adapting. And now we're no longer panicking in that situation, and we're starting to gain a victory in that situation because we didn't allow it to overwhelm us. I have a worker that worked for me, and we were restoring a house and the steps going into the basement i pulled the steps out because i was going to put new steps in so i just dropped the ladder down there and on work sites we jump on ladders we have tools on our shoulder and we're climbing down with one hand well when i was younger i'm not doing all of that anymore but this gentleman he's working with me for the first time and i say hey go in the basement and get this now everyone's used to just walking down the steps to go in the basement he looks at the ladder and he looks at me. And I look at him. Me, I'm not known for saying it twice. I'll just look at you after I said it. I know you heard me. And so he goes and he puts one hand on the wall and he puts the other hand on the ladder. And then he tepidly starts putting one foot on the top rung on the ladder and he could have let it defeat him. But the way he was gripping, you could almost feel, see his finger grips in the wall. But guess what? I kept sending them down there to get stuff and do stuff. We're in an active work environment. We've got to get it done. And by the end of the week, hey Trevor, go downstairs and get this and that for me. Trevor throws that leg over, grabs it, and scoots down the ladder, scoots back up, and he hands me what he hands me. So the point is simply this. We could look at it, and we could be afraid of it, and we could walk away from it, and we just seal the door. That will be much more difficult to enter ever again because we scorched into our consciousness that this is too much for me. And I heard a great young man in a radio in, um, interview um, tell the story of the elephant and break your rope and how the baby elephant, they put a rope around his neck, put a spike in the ground and the baby elephant pulls on the spike and can't pull the spike up. And when that elephant is a full grown elephant that could uproot a tree and you put the same rope around the neck just the feeling of that rope around his neck brings him back to his childhood and he can't test that rope he can't pull it up but it's his mind and it's our mind and my father said you're the master that's a mindset to have this is scary but i'm the master of it this is daunting, but I'm the master of it. This is frightening, but I'm the master of it. And after a while, what's frightening is not scary anymore. And what's daunting gives you a t-shirt that says undaunted. That by any means necessary means by any means necessary.
If I got a grip onto the wall till my fingers are crunching into it and throw my foot over tepidly and grab the other end of the ladder with my hands shaking, but I am going to go into those waters if I'm ever gonna be able to swim. That's it. Let me ask you this. What's the sweetest sound you've ever heard? I think the sweetest sound I've ever heard in my life is the total silence at night when I'm talking to the Lord and I just have a sense that this great God who controls an entire universe is just listening to me. Mm. That that sweet silence. You know someone who's talking to you while you're talking, they're not listening. Right. And I'm certain the greatest intellect in existence can talk while you're talking and listen, but to know that there's total silence and I'm making a request of the king. It's a beautiful thing to get the air of the president, but to speak to God, he, he don't even have to say anything back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just to know that he heard me, so that's the sweetest sound. And what's the last thing you wanna hear? The last thing I wanna hear is well done, come on in. I could have said that. I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> Man, what else y'all want me to say? You need more? That's it. We're done. <laughs> Reach for the highest good. I'm going to see you soon. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to drink this coffee, but I'm going to. Yeah, me too. <laughs>